listening to episode 84 of the Dradcast with special guest John Hawkins. This episode of the Dradcast is brought to you by Pagely, the original WordPress managed host. If you're looking for rock-solid WordPress hosting, contact the experts at pagely.com today. Get ready for the Dradcast. Your favorite nerds. Brad Williams and Dre Armada bring you high-octane conversations with new guests every week. Covering the latest news, insight on recent events, and interviews with tech titans. Pour yourself a quality cocktail. What kind of soft drink? Sit back and chill. Because the Dragcast starts now. week another drad we're back with an all-new fresh pressed episode of the dradcast dre my brother what is up my brother number three season three this is uh this is getting deep buddy i'm in it's getting real deep man you know it's uh it's pretty amazing we are consistent it's three episodes three weeks look at us we're that's three strikes we're out uh we'll see you guys next year <laughs> and we're done season three that's a wrap <laughs> oh man, this has been this has been great so far. I'm really excited about today's show. We got a lot of really cool, really cool, fun things to talk about. We got a big event coming up this weekend. The Drad's going to be reunited. Feels yeah, in fact, so I will be uh, in your neck of the woods here in about 48 hours or so. So really excited to see you. It's been a little bit, and and it's all revolving around WordCamp US, which is the first of its kind. So we're we're really in for a treat, I think. Uh, again, like we've said over the last couple episodes, looking around 2,000 people in attendance. So this should be a should be a game changer. Yeah, it's going to be pretty amazing. There's uh there's a lot of people in the WordPress space traveling today, you know, in the air on buses and trains and cars and it's been fun to kind of see them all uh all take off and head uh, my direction coming out to the east in Philly. We're going to have some beautiful weather. Everyone is concerned about the weather. It's gonna be a nice, uh, nice, warm, fifty degrees, sunny. Uh, yeah. So I know both cheese. of you, you guys on the West Coast, are like, what, what? Yeah, cheesesteak and a Yangling, though. That's that's. Uh, I really do want to see you. Um, and and of course the the new addition to to the to the Bradford Williams family. But uh, yeah, uh, cheesesteak and Yangling, man, that's on my list too. That is uh, on the short list for sure. So let's get right <laughs> into it. We got a we got a great uh, friend of the show. Uh, Yep. It goes way back, all the way back to episode two, and I think uh, John's been on a number of episodes of the Dradcast, so we're super excited to have him back, so please welcome John Hawkins back to the show. What's going on? Hey now. It's him. He's here. All right, settle down, everybody. It's John. Yeah, we were, uh, Dre and I were talking about it, and, and we talked a little bit pre-show about last time you were on, and we were like, man, John was just on not that long ago, and it was episode 69, which doesn't sound like it was that long ago, but it was actually all the way back in January 7th uh, of 2015, so we're, it was almost a year ago to the date, you know? Well, I'm just trying to keep up my uh, my you know ranking as the <laughs> most uh, the most times guest hosting the Dreadcast. So. You're up there, man. This might Thanks. be you know I probably should have told those. This is at least three. It might be four. This is four. I think four. Yeah. Well, you're definitely our first four, Pete, for sure. Uh, oh yes, that, that is a fact. So uh, really to- glad to have you back on. What have you been up to, man? It's been a year. Uh, you know, I know even the, the last episode it had been quite a while since we'd had you on the show, and a lot of a lot changes in in a year. So what's new hey, in man. John's world? Man, it's been uh, it's been a crazy one. You know, I kind of stepped away from my old company and joined uh, onto a startup, and I've been doing a bunch of a uh, bunch of development and marketing stuff, and just a lot of a lot of different stuff, which is pretty cool. I, it's I, I've always been a, a guy who's enjoyed doing stuff that's uh, maybe not necessarily what I was doing the day before, so that's always fun. But um, you know, I do that. I've been working out CrossFit. I know you've been doing CrossFit too, Brad. Not, uh, not, not at your level quite, John, but I, I do do some CrossFit. It's pretty fun. You said doo-doo. That was awesome. Um, John, you just got certified. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? That's pretty exciting news, man. So thank you. Uh, so here's the thing. You can't use the word certified, which is not the, the – hey, I know. It's a – like this you have to sign, does you have to sign do. a document. Yeah, because uh, – it's a certificate course because you go to a two-day thing. They basically teach you everything over those two days that you need. Um, 
to to pass the test, and then you take the test at the end. So it's actually a certificate course. Is it certi- uh, certified um, or certification a derivative of certificate? <laughs> it's, uh, it's a it's lawyer it's semantics, a, my friend. This is exactly yeah. it. Really is. I mean, there's a document that I had to sign that basically That's said wild. what I am and what I am not allowed to say. I am currently a CrossFit Level One trainer. That is I what see. I can tell. So we're not a certified trainer. No. To be a to become a quote unquote certified, you need to go to uh so I'm level one, there's a level two that I could take uh after some time, and then once you do the, the level three, the level three is when you can become a quote unquote certified. That's crazy. Awesome. You've had yeah. quite a journey across it. We we spoke about it quite a bit on the last show and it's been it's it's cool to see that you've stuck with it um for yeah. for a long, long time now. It's um, it it, it kind of goes back to the show last week, Dre, a little bit. We had Kiko um, on, and he was talking about kind of the, his his path in, in jujitsu, and also your path, Dre, that you were talking about. And John, your path has kind of been down the CrossFit uh, trail a little bit. And o- over the years, you've been you've been at it for what about two years now or longer? Um, August was actually one year, so I'm year and a quarter ish, oh, okay. fifteen months. But awesome. you know, so the the whole idea behind getting the uh, getting the level one was you know it's it's funny because it really it kind of ties into the way that WordPress kind of came about for me as well, which is um, I'm a big fan of teaching. I love the concept of teaching and mainly because one of the things is as you're teaching somebody something, it forces you to kind of dig deep and learn more about it yourself and so uh, I started a while back I started shadowing my coach at the um, at the at the box and I would take a look at when somebody was doing something and I'd say, oh, hey, it looks like this person's doing this wrong or it looks like they're too far in their toes or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. And I'd say, so, you know, is that right? He says, yeah, and here's how you go about correcting them on that. So I'd already started shadowing him doing that. And then what I was noticing was as I was shadowing him and pointing out things that those folks were doing wrong, I could all I could just go, yeah, I know, I do the exact same thing. And so <laughs> it started really building it in for myself and yep. started making me a better CrossFitter, made me, you know, pay attention to what what the hell my body was doing. Um so yeah, just that that love of teaching and the, the love of learning. Um this just seemed like the absolute natural next step. Dude, same page here, right? So I I've been doing jujitsu now for about two and a half years. Uh, I'm excited to be able to assist my uh, professor with the kids' classes. So I typically get over there about an hour early, and I help him out with the kids' classes. I sit back. I watch the kids make sure they're, they're, they're tapping when they need to, not falling asleep because they're, they're just waiting too long, right, which, which does happen, more so with the adults. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I'll sit back, and he'll call me in, and he'll I'm, I'm his crash dummy, right? Like he'll show the technique on me to the kids, and then we walk around, and uh, – we, we, we talk to the kids and, and we make sure that they're doing it correctly. What I found is that my technique is oftentimes worse than the dang children. So <laughs> not only, uh, is it a comparison to making sure that you're kind of learning as you teach? Yeah, it goes to show how uh, pitiful I am on the mat. So uh, uh, thanks you to the, the young children at Carlson Gracie Menifee. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's just seeing what other people are doing and then um, – at the at the course uh, a couple weekends back when I was doing it, it was really interesting because they kept talking about body awareness. Just like when – if you tell somebody, hey, you're doing this or you're doing that and they are actually able to uh, do the next rep and they go, oh, you know what? I feel it. I felt where I was wrong. And then just kind of getting that body awareness of knowing when your back isn't in. You know, you're not – you don't have a neutral spine or you're, you're tilting your head too far back or you're not – pressing out with your arms right you know like just being able to go oh i can feel that now yeah it's such a difference but that's when you kind of know that somebody's kind of got it and they go oh got it and now they can actually start correcting it and for me a lot of times that's me that needs those corrections so (laughs) yeah i mean i'm kind of in the same path i I started doing some crossfit over the summer Uh, i think End of May, uh, early June is when I first started. I just wanted something different, getting tired of the gym. And, and so I've been doing it for a number of months now, and it's it's gone to that point now where, you know, a majority of the time I kind of know if I did it wrong. Like I know what I'm trying to do and what I need to do, and you kind of can just tell when, oh, you know what, I messed it up. Let me try again. Or exactly. I, my feet were wrong or whatever. You know, my back was, was weird or what. So it's it's like I know I'm learning and I'm seeing progress, and that's when you really kind of get into things when you start seeing that progress and that progression. 
Yep. Uh, well, which uh, directly relates to WordPress, which is exciting because it is in a progressive state uh, constantly. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, folks. Actually, you started a small community on Facebook, Brad, here recently. It's it's uh, the hashtag BenchPress. If you look that up, it's a Facebook group. It's for folks. Um, I think it's, if, if I'm not mistaken, pretty much well open to anybody that wants to get involved. But certainly it's a predominantly WordPress uh, folks in in the community yeah. that are interested in bettering themselves from a health perspective. So doing things like getting on the mat or um, hitting um, uh, CrossFit, the gym, lifting weights, what have you. But just finding a way to kind of collectively help each other get better health-wise uh, or healthy um, in a group environment. Yeah, it's been uh... – the idea of bench press stem from kind of, you know, we see a lot of the same people going to conferences, whether it's WordPress or, or not. You know, you go to conferences, you see a lot of the same people. You go to conferences, you, you usually are traveling, you know, you're not sleeping a lot. You're usually eating garbage. You're usually, you know, probably drinking a little bit more than, than normal or than you should. Um, and you just kind of, it's, it's almost like, you know, you might have a great routine at home and you go to a conference or you travel and it all goes out the window and you just like destroy yourself. And you come back on, you know, Monday or Tuesday and, and you, it feels like you just reset like the last three months at the gym and like, what the hell did yeah. I just do? <laughs> so the idea of Bitress was to kind of get a group, a closed group. So it's not public. You can join it, but it's not open in the sense of, you know, everything you post is going to be public on Facebook for all your friends to see unless they're in the group. Um, to have a group where one, we can kind of motivate each other uh, when we're not at conferences, but when we are at conferences, conferences we can get together and maybe do an activity together during that conference you know maybe get up early one day and go work out go run go do a walk do something more than you normally would do you're still going to indulge a little bit i like to eat local foods when i go you know go to different cities i like to have local beers i like to i'm going to indulge a little bit but if i get one workout in while i'm you know somewhere for a weekend i feel like i really went i feel very good about myself by doing that so it's it's as much as an encouragement group than anything and i like the fact that it's closed off too because it's not like every day you're kind of it's not like a bragging thing it's more of about a motivational between each other type of thing I take it more that way as well right not not so much of a branding thing there was uh, some some dialogue that started from it a while back I was so pissed at myself because I, I think I missed like a training for a day or two days and uh, I, John I think you commented like holy crap I had that same kind of feeling when I'm missing and like this dialogue starts about like all these things that we're doing and how emotionally attached we become to it because of that that just sheer um, adrenaline excitement that you build. Um, the, the, the kind of euphoric feeling after the workout, like, holy cow, that really sucked getting there, but I held to it and I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, by sharing those stories has been therapeutic at times. It's uh, super useful for me and I'm glad uh, that I was able to join the group for sure. Well, you know, I'll tell you one of the other things about that group that I really like is um, other than there was one post and I won't I, I won't uh, point any fingers, but there was one post where somebody was a little bit negative towards something else. But for the most part, by and large, nobody cares what it is that you're doing. You could just be out walking or you could be right. lifting weights or you could be crossfitting. You could be uh, jujitsu. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you're doing. I'm just I'm just glad that you're doing it. I'm just glad yeah. that you're doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the group because it's a place where, um, believe it or not, I know we, you know, the the, the joke is, uh, you know, you're only doing CrossFit if you're talking about doing CrossFit. Um, so I'm trying to keep the bulk of my CrossFit post off of my normal Facebook feed. So it's nice to have a spot to go in there where people are actively interested in hearing about that stuff. And it's funny, I actually recently started a new blog um, as a subdomain off of Vegas Geek called CrossFit.VegasGeek.com. And so I'm no longer going to post any of my CrossFit stuff on my main Vegas Geek site. And now it all just goes to CrossFit.VegasGeek.com. And I've been posting there. I, um, I've been posting there for about a month now, I guess. And uh, Every single post, I, I try to post every single day after the workout. And what I've been doing is kind of talking about how I felt and what I did right and what I did wrong and um, just getting a better idea so I can kind of look back and um, know like I was having a really crappy day, but yet I was still able to do X or I went in feeling great and then was, you know, just completely hit a wall. So it, I've, I've already started rereading some of them that as, as I write them, and uh, I, I can tell like just by having that kind of documentation is is going to be huge down the line, especially as I start training other folks, and I'm I'm going to start you know keeping notes on that stuff as well, because again I th- I think that's only going to go to 
Pero there's got to be an easier way for me to post it. That's that's been my problem with Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, I have a blog. Uh, oftentimes I was just using it for like big kind of milestones and things like that. But uh, certainly if, if I'm able to use it on a, on a more daily basis like a log, uh, it might be useful. Uh, I, I simply – I've I've uh, minimized the amount of, of jiu-jitsu posts on my regular timelines as well, just through this group, and then also starting a team page, uh, for a uh, private team page for the Carlson Gracie Group Menifee, where we kind of dialogue these things so that we're keeping some of that noise off of our main streams. But I'll tell you, uh, I'm excited to, to maybe get a workout in with you this, this week, uh, Bradford. I'd like to choke the shit out of you. That'd be, that'd be good. Um, and certainly, of us to get together the next time we're all in the same city and do Absolutely. something uh, uh, he'd like to he'd like to choke you out. And by the way, if you guys can get a workout in, that would be cool too. <laughs> That's completely That's awesome. secondary. Yeah. Uh, well, we got a lot of show, a lot of cool things to cover. So why don't we rock and roll and push into this week's pressing topics? Stand by. Pressing topics of the week. And you're on. A week oh, later. Let's do we're, it. A week we're later. We're dancing Calypso. So what's going on here? I want to know. If any of your opinions have changed, Brad, over the last week on kind of where, where Calypso's at, where it should be, where it could be with the whole nine. And, John, I know you've actively used it since it released, so I'd love to hear a little bit on your perspective because I think um, uh, as we've covered the topic over the last uh, week or so, uh, it's been more from a distance. So it'd be, it'd be great to hear your perspective. Yeah, yeah for so sure. You want yeah. to Dive in. Go for it. You go first. You're, you're uh, the host. Fucking act like yeah, you're on the well, host. You guys are assuming I've used Calypso over the past week. So, um, you know, it's it's funny because there's still been a lot of chatter about it. So it's obviously still very much at the forefront of just conversations uh, in and outside of the WordPress bubble. Um, you know, Matt's been uh, a bit on the podcast circuit, I would say. Um, he's been on a number of shows um, recently, some WordPress centric, some not. Um, talking about Calypso and kind of answering a lot of people's questions and the future of WordPress and what it means for the project as a whole and .com and .org. And, um, so personally, I have not been using it that much. Um, and I think kind of going back to the last show, we talked about how it is, you know, from a publishing standpoint, I think it looks like a very clever tool. Um, however, I'm not really publishing that much right now other than talking on this show. So, um, but John, I mean, what was your, what's your experience? You said, I think you said pre-show that you've used it solely like 100 percent in the past week that's what you've used yep. to manage your sites yeah so the uh the new crossfit blog basically i've written in almost every single post using calypso so uh okay. everything that i've written there since calypso has been released has been through calypso and you know it's funny if you even go back a little bit further than that like before it came out i had been saying like one of the things that i'm super excited about the rest api is i know that eventually people are going to start releasing these mac and windows mm-hmm. uh native apps that are going to let you kind of control your site through um through a native app rather than having to go to your site and deal with it. So I kind of thought this was a, a pretty awesome first shot across the bow uh, of kind of making that happen. And it's – I'm going to tell you, Calypso, the, I, the one thing that you will hear everybody say about it, and it's 100% true, is it's fast. It is way faster than loading up your blog, going to the add new post and, and writing in there. Like the, it's just so fast to kind of move around and do things in it. It's it's dead simple. Um, I love being able to just drag and drop graphics straight into the post, like right off your desktop, right into again into that native app. Um, super fast. I've run into a couple of interesting little, you know, it, it's brand new, so you can run into a couple of little bugs. One. I can't figure out how to spell check. It doesn't seem to spell check. Like so, I keep posting stuff and then going and spell checking it on live. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure. That's probably that's probably a Hawkins fault, not a, a Calypso's fault. But we'll see. User error. Uh, yeah, I guarantee it's user error. Um, and one of the other things is it wasn't holding on to the uh, to the categories. Like uh, like I would uncheck uncategorized and then check like you know, lifting or whatever. And then uh, by the time it got posted, I would notice it was back into uncategorized. Hmm. That's kind of random. You know, but- a, a user comment that uh, when I posted, we posted on, uh, if you head over to webdevstudios.com slash blog, we've got a really cool post uh, by Ryan around its use and how um, how the future looks, which is pretty exciting in terms of, of Calypso and its use and its, and its, and its uh, gain um, in terms of footprint. But, uh, Chuck Reynolds, who you guys may know uh, from the community, 
posted yeah. uh, that until it's got custom post type, uh, yeah. uh, you know, support, it's something that is just really not going to work for him and and the things that he he sees it uh, useful for in the future. So maybe good for a small personal blog, but maybe not prime time yet for for large implementation. And it's V one too. I mean, I think sure, it's important to understand that. I absolutely get his point. Um, but I think we all know Matt's philosophy on kind of version one, getting shipping something, oh, getting yeah. version one out the door. Cause they're going to learn a lot. They probably learned a lot in the past week in terms of user interaction. Um, you know, the amount of users that have started using it versus prior to the release is probably insane. So, yeah. um, I, yeah, I agree. Like the major sites, you're not going to manage those sites cause they are reliant on custom post types, but for the normal bloggers, you know, you got posts and pages and that's it. So the the two things that I would kind of uh, that I would say would be I don't want to say negative that's not really that's not really a fair assessment but I, the the things that I kind of see as it grows um, the things that I would like is I mean obviously right now you have to use Jetpack that's the only way that you can connect to it um, you have to have it your site connected to Jetpack and you have to have the manage package on in there so the two things that I see one is the the CPT stuff because that's huge uh, that that would be just a, a game changer for sure yep. but the other is I mean have you ever used do you guys use TweetDeck you know like it's when you want to add a new site you just go to the settings and you go to accounts and you click on it and you go in there and you you authenticate your you know your next Twitter account etc 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 I think that's kind of the the be-all, end-all version of a desktop app is going to kind of work that way, where yeah. you can go in there and just attach the um, the sites that you want, and um, you know that's probably more on the REST API side of things, and rather than the way that they want to control Calypso, I get, um, but you know that's kind of where I see the the, uh, the big gains, the, the the exciting stuff. So yeah, so. Mentioned Matt kind of being on the podcast circuit. He's done a number of podcasts, and um, one of the more interesting one is on the podcast called the Gilmore Gang. Um, if you're not familiar, Gilmore Gang it's it's hosted by Steve Gilmore, um, been around the block in the tech industry, uh, one of the the inventor of RSS uh, among other things. Uh, he has a show produced and it runs through TechCrunch. It's very interesting. They had Matt on um, this week, or actually, I'm sorry, it was the end of last week, um, and it was kind of cool because a lot of the interviews I've heard with Matt around Clipso were kind of in the WordPress bubble, right? WordPress-centric podcasts. Uh, TechCrunch and the Gilmore Gang is not, so, but they're kind of tech tech heavy hitters. Uh, Robert Scoble was on the, the show. John Barthwick was on the show. So they're really kind of thinking beyond just the, the, the WordPress, WordPress. Did I just say WordPress? Throwback to the first episode, John. They're really kind of beyond that. So some of the questions, I queued up a couple of the, the responses here from Matt, and I thought... Uh, Let's play them. Hopefully uh, my computer doesn't blow up. Uh, this will be a, a dreadcast first. Um, let's run through a couple of these because I think it's pretty interesting. First one, over here, Matt's kind of explaining how um, how it works, how Clipso works. So if you didn't catch the last show, if you're not familiar with Clipso, um, this will give you a little bit of insight around the technical side of it. Yeah, the technology is pretty cool. So essentially it's all data-driven. So there's a JavaScript application um, that you that handles all the layout and scaffolding and everything. And when data changes, the interface updates immediately. So if something comes in, whether that's a, uh, a notification, or let's just say like you moderated a comment and I'm viewing that comment, it'll change status basically instantly. Uh, so we're able to propagate things in real time. And uh, this is just really fun and cool. <laughs> when I first saw it, I thought it was a bug because things on the screen were moving that I wasn't moving. And I was like, we've got something really wrong here, our poltergeist. But it turns out it was just other people updating the same data. And it's streaming in real time to me. Uh, so we built a lot of new APIs for this. And the approach is a little light layer of Node and then just a lot of React. And, and part of what we open sourced, oh, I think I forgot to say this, but we open sourced this entire thing. So we've released, as a result, I think over 26,000 commits, 140-something contributors. Um, so there's hundreds of, for example, React modules and components there that people could use to build something else entirely. You know, the way he describes um, Lipso, he mentions notifications a lot. If you listen to this interview, I'd, I'd suggest you listen to this whole podcast. It's pretty interesting. It's about an hour, 20, hour, 30 minutes, I think. But notifications are um, one of the things that he talks about a lot and kind of surfacing the content that you care about or the content that things that are changing as they're changing, almost like an activity stream 
for your the admin of WordPress. Um, so you're not kind of clicking into the common area. You're not clicking into different areas. Things are kind of servicing through the notifications. And using frameworks like React and you know built heavily on JavaScript is allowing them to do this. Going back to that, what you mentioned, John, with lightweight. It's really interesting stuff if you think about it and how you, if you really think deep down of how this is changing, how you work with the admin and kind of how you mentioned it, John, it is, it is a bit of a game changer. Um, maybe more so than I, than I even realized last week as I hear about this. I mean, what are you guys thoughts? Are you noticing that John, as you're working in it, kind of these notifications, things are changing. They're, they're kind of listening and changing as things happen. Is it that crazy? Do you have to have a site with a million hits for it to really work that way or? Yeah, I was just going to say my my site right now is basically just for me. I don't, you know, I think I have uh, maybe like 5 visitors a day, so Matt's experience uh, is probably slightly different than our blogs. I'm thinking <laughs> he might <laughs> he might be getting more notifications than I am. Um one of the things that he said though was that there were other people that were changing the data, right? Mm-hmm. So I think he was more talking about in the in the sense of a multi-author blog. Um which I could see that being extremely helpful. Yeah. Uh, just knowing when things are and aren't coming in. You know, I uh, in in one of my other projects, I've got a site where we've got, you know, like forty or fifty different authors, and knowing when different people are doing different things and having those kinds of notifications pop up would be huge. Absolutely. <laughs> but doesn't it happen now? So, like, if Brad and I want to go edit the same post, it's going to give me the message: Hey, you want to take over? Do you want a preview or? Leave the damn you know editor page, right? It's happening now. Sure, to, I mean to a certain extent. I mean, if you're talking about trying to go onto the exact same post that somebody else is on, but just seeing other activity that's going on on the site, um, you know, it, if somebody, let's say somebody posts uh, like one of the sites that I'm working on, we we post deals on it, right? So we, if we have three different people who are posting deals and person one gets ready to post a deal and they find out the person two already just posted that deal mm-hmm. you know you, you just save them five minutes worth of work of going sure. and doing all that stuff because they saw it rather than posting it then looking at the list and going ah crap somebody else just already did that. it's like so, the um if you're familiar with the heartbeat api in wordpress uh, and they've integrated it into very into some different areas of wordpress may not be noticeable but it's like that on steroids because if you're on the dashboard of your WordPress, you're logged into the admin of WordPress, and somebody comments, the comment will automatically show up. The little number will show up on the comment menu automatically through the Heartbeat API. It's like that on steroids, but you're not getting that integration with posts, with pages. Like you're not, It's not tapped in at that level, but a little bit. It's almost like they took that idea and said, how can we do this for everything, you know, and then built it around that idea. It's kind of It's kind of neat. So yeah, another another question that yeah another question that came up which is one I think we've all thought about uh, you know WordPress is always kind of uh, I don't know if competing is the right word I think competing in a sense but there's always a lot of competition out there um, with other platforms I think the one that comes to mind the most right now a couple of years ago we probably would have said Tumblr but I think the one that comes to mind most right now is Medium um, and I have not heard Matt answer this question so it was very good so they actually asked about Medium. Walker's still around. And <laughs> yeah. what about Medium? Do you see them as? Uh, uh, do you see this as a? I think I saw Robert uh, on uh, uh, that uh, little app that he uses. What is it? Oh yeah, Facebook. Uh, he wrote something <laughs> about uh, about is this a, a reaction or a competitor uh, to Medium? Well, we already covered that earlier. Well, you kind of <laughs> didn't say that, so I am. <laughs> Uh, you know, in some ways we compete with every place that people publish online, even Twitter and Facebook. But in day-to-day, uh, that competition doesn't really drive product decisions. And for most people, what we provide is pretty distinct uh, from what these other platforms have. You know, because you really have complete control, uh, a more powerful and functional interface. It's a CMS, you know. You can have pages and plugins and widgets and everything. Mm-hmm. Medium, you just kind of get a post. In someone else's design. You agree that uh, the you know competitors like Medium aren't driving some of the decisions around Calypso and maybe just WordPress as a whole. Uh, they will to an extent. I mean, he he could say that, and that's that makes sense. I think that that, but it will be something that is considered. Um, you know, there's going to be a large portion of the audience that can give two shits about widgets. They can give two shits about adding extra pages. They are there just to publish and publishing in a post format. 
um, is enough. So that to me uh, is a direct uh, competition. So product decisions, yeah, I think that, uh, that you still need to consider that that portion of the audience, however big or small they are. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you think that like do you either of you do you use WordPress.com as a content consumption tool? I don't. Yeah. No. If if a post comes up somewhere and it's an awesome piece of content uh, and it's interesting to me, I'm going to read it. Do no, I- no, no. I don't mean that. Obviously, I mean if if I post something and that's where it happens to be. Like, but I the the thing is, you're not finding that post because you're reading it through like the uh, the WordPress.com. Not at like all. Browser, right? I mean, no. you're not you're not finding it that way. You found it because I posted it on Facebook, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. Like where, uh, you know, like you can do that with Calypso or with the WordPress.com, where you can go in there and read the blogs that you follow, and that's what I think that they're talking to most is is the idea of kind of having that be your spot for discovering content, and that's like for me, that's just not what I'm doing whatsoever are so. you doing that with medium or anything else right like you're not no. really doing that either like i i get that like i'll, I'll be talking with liz who, who does communications for web dev and she's like dre you got to check out this awesome article well she's a trusted source you're a trusted source to me right, right? so you go look this this is probably interesting to you dre i'm gonna go check that out but i'm not gonna go like browsing for the most part have i yeah i've, I've landed on some of those sites before and browsed through some of the um discussion points there some of the posts but that's not really my regular. I don't. Yeah, you for know, to for me, me, it's like, Feedly. Feedly, yeah. I mean, so you're you're working with feeds still. Yeah. Feeds. You're yeah, loading exactly. feeds now. You know, to me, I, I look at WordPress.com. I look at some other sites. You can think of some older sites that that used to exist that maybe aren't as popular that would kind of aggregate content. I think honestly, I I focus more on areas that do more around kind of I guess social. Uh, things like Reddit, things where people kind of have a little bit of say in what's interesting and what's not versus what being on a single platform and say, okay, only show me topics I'm interested that happen to be on this platform. I feel like that's, right. to me, that's a little bit limiting, even though WordPress.com is huge. It's huge. Like there's millions and millions of blogs on it and sites, but it's still, you're only looking at content on WordPress.com. To uh, me, okay. I don't I don't like that. I want to I want to see the broader picture. I don't care if it's on WordPress.com. If it is, great, but there might be more interesting stuff elsewhere that I might miss. You know, I find myself on, on the platforms that have been most successful in my marketing efforts. And so what I mean by that is when I'm involved um, with uh, pushing content um, uh, at Web Dev Studios, right, which is, is one of my areas of responsibility. My team does that. We do uh, – we interact there. We build audience. We build discussion. We, we, we post all of this meaningful content. Um, we do it on Twitter. We do it on various places. But what I find myself is leaning back to the places where we've had most success. I find myself going and looking for content there because I've had success pushing my content there. Does that make sense? Definitely. So this this next clip, and this is the last one from the Gilmore Gang, but it's this one really caught my attention. I thought you guys would both like this because this is around kind of the expansion. We're talking plugins. We're talking extensions. Uh, we're talking contributions to, uh, to Calypso. It becomes a portal for code to interact with uh, Calypso. Uh, do you do you see that as an evolution uh, when you say that you know you can embed anything fine can you also uh actually i mean these if this is an open platform uh people can write modules that will essentially talk to modules and and they can basically intercept and uh expand and uh they can go in areas that you aren't your wheelhouse right now do you expect that yeah, I mean, I honestly don't, not entirely sure what to expect with open sourcing this because it, um, it's different than a lot of other open source projects out there. And we don't yet have a plugin model, for example, or an extension model. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do see a lot of demand from even within the WordPress community. They say, I have this plugin that does XYZ, custom post types, or e commerce, or real estate. And they want to plug into our notifications, and they want to plug into the interface and everything in Calypso. So we're going to have to figure out a way to both allow that and moderate it. Because, you know, when notifications become spam, they become worse than useless. But for us, I think where notifications are pretty transformative is that it actually replaces a lot of the UI in a WordPress. When you have this activity stream, you no longer need 
So I think I would say that before we were very noun based. We're like, here are your posts, here are your comments, here are your likes, here are your stats. And by moving to something more like an activity stream, it allows you to interact with whatever's most interesting at the time. And so rather than having a whole comment moderating interface, it's just like I showed you when I was screen sharing. Like you can see them as they come in in real time and then interact within that context. And I left the notification summit like wanting to redesign all of our notifications and redo them all. That's um, a couple things that I thought were extremely interesting. One, Matt, you know, admits he doesn't know what to expect, which I think is pretty honest. You know, you throw something out there open source at this size and this scale, you, you can't know what to expect, right? This thing could easily take a life of its own that's well beyond anything Matt's envisioned. Uh, do you guys see a, a market here? Has, have we opened up a whole new market segment w within Calypso? Not, not just talking kind of the API side of WordPress, but within Calypso, is there a brand new market here that, that we might see emerge, you know, shortly? Can't see how not. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're giving somebody this big of a tool. This is, this isn't just a tool. This is the whole toolbox, right? I mean, that's, uh, it's a, an entire platform. I mean, if you think of WordPress as a platform, this is its own platform. Uh, happens to be built around WordPress. But yeah, without a doubt, I think people, is, he started mentioning things like e-commerce and, and getting those notifications. And, and you know, I can definitely see, I was going to say guys like WooCommerce, but uh, that goes back to the same company, I guess. But you can kind of see where those types of things and having those notifications become uh, front and center. Yeah, absolutely. People are going to, people are going to run with it. This is, WordPress as we know it, I think, is changing entirely. And the the landscape of what it looks like now as compared to what it looks like, you know, twelve, eighteen months from now, we're gonna be we're gonna be surprised that we ever you know, how did we ever survive with it like it was before? Like it's just <laughs> gonna be completely different. Well, I think that Doug Kiko made reference to you know, WordPress becomes kind of one of those server level things where you hook in um, all of your dependencies for whatever your WordPress experience is, right? Uh, this is just the way to really talk to that in a in a way that, um, well, like you said, that's lightweight, that's fast, that uh, that enables you to to shift and 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 kind of morph your experience as need be, uh, or your experiences, right? There's going to be multiple connection points to, to say twenty different websites. Um, it's it's certainly an interesting place to be. I, I I'm excited to see what comes from it. Again, I think it's 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 in its infancy. It's in its early stages. But this I think will be something that we'll look back ten years from now and go, wow, wh where were we before mm -hmm. uh, this really kicked off? Because it, it it it's going to change um, the dynamic of how we interact and publish today. Yeah, I mean it's the the game is is changed and the game is changing, and if you're not seeing that. Um, you're going to get past very quickly. I think you need to kind of realize this is this is a game changer. It doesn't mean that tomorrow everything you do in WordPress is going to be gone, or your business is going to be gone if you're not building things for Calypso or or building things on complete JavaScript using APIs. But it's something you need to start really becoming aware of and think of how this affects the future of WordPress in terms of how you use WordPress, whether it's for publishing, whether it's for your business and building websites or services or whatever. Um, this is changing. So I have one final clip. It's it's from um, our, our good friends over at WP Water Cooler. Matt dropped by there. Uh, it's it's a funny show because I don't think they knew he was coming on, and and there was a bit of a uh, where oh shit moment when he popped on. You know, five, a few minutes into the show, so definitely check it out. But um, Scott Bollinger, uh, who we work with over at AppPressor, asked a really interesting question about kind of the decoupling of WordPress from the admin um, and focusing more on APIs, which I think is super relevant to what we're talking about here. So uh, actually, I had a question for you, Matt. Um, one of the things that I see happening, I've been building apps with JavaScript and WordPress APIs and stuff for a little over a year now, and um, one of the interesting things that's happening is um, I, I love it, and I think it's working great, but as we decouple WordPress from the admin experience, traditionally that's really been what uh, people love about WordPress is the admin um, you know, making it easy to create a website. But as we decouple WordPress from this admin and use APIs, what we're really doing is WordPress is a middleman to, to our database. And it's really just sort of connecting our app through an API to a database. And all we're really doing is saving data and we're returning data. Um, now there's a lot of, there's it's still advantages to using WordPress because of plugins and things like that. But um, 
what I'm wondering is down the line, if we decouple WordPress so much from the admin experience and PHP and everything like that, does it become almost to the point where it's easier to just use something like MongoDB or some sort of other database structure and get rid of WordPress metalman altogether? And does that concern you at all? I mean, that could certainly happen. Um, but you could have said that could have happened five or ten years ago. You know, I think that what has always served WordPress well is a confluence of many things coming together. Um, you know, we use the term ecosystem, and a lot of people misuse that term, but I think it's actually 100% applicable in WordPress's case because there's many elements. It's themes, it's plugins, it's web hosts, it's uh, people implementing WordPress sites, it's educators, it's the people writing books, it's people teaching WordPress in classes. Like All of this comes in a loop that each benefits each other. You know, why does every single thing in the world have like a WordPress integration or WordPress plugin? Because it's the biggest. Why is it the biggest? Well, maybe because everything integrates with it. You know, it's kind of, um, it's a flywheel that serves it. And what we need to focus on is two things. One, how can we speed up that flywheel and keep it going? And two is what are the things that we can do to significantly change the adoption curve of WordPress among its various constituencies? Um, I think that something like Calypso could open up, change the adoption curve of WordPress for people building blogs and websites, you know, people sort of coming fresh to it that might not be developers. I think something like the REST API could cause developers that might not have ever considered WordPress before because the front end was so coupled to the back end to look and say, wow, this gives me a ton. This gives me like an update framework, a plugin framework. A user authentication framework, a way of storing users and passwords that's very secure and say, wow, this actually, I don't need to recreate all that. So starting with WordPress might get me, I can focus on the things that are really different about what I'm doing rather than, you know, if you're just building from the ground up or even using a framework like Symfony, you end up recreating the wheel 15 different ways. That question to me is extremely interesting. Are we getting to the point where the WordPress is just a middleman? And all we're doing is passing data in and out of WordPress. And then at that point, are we going to ask ourselves, what's the point of using WordPress? I think we're already there. I think when we started talking about um, WordPress as the web OS, I think when we started to talk about WordPress as a framework for other applications, we were already there. This is nothing new. This is just another means, another vehicle for us to put it out there and to expand on what we've been doing for years. It, it enables us to bring in another audience that maybe um, uh, feels good about working uh, a bit more decoupled from WordPress, um, being that maybe, hey, well, yeah, we see it as an application framework, but it's it's way too tied in its administration and its control for us to get involved. That audience is expanding, but uh, let's not kid ourselves. We've been there for a long time. You know, I think the uh, one of the key points in there also is, like, well, why wouldn't you do it with something else? If you think about just like the the user management and user control and uh, you know the setting of passwords and resetting of passwords and the security around all of that stuff, like if you used WordPress for nothing other than just user management, like you're already ahead, right? And so you've got all of those things. Now, I think of a I think about like a company like your guys where. Um, with all of these APIs becoming available, like how soon is it before you have a customer who comes to you and says, I need a website and I want to make it, I want to have it be super simple for me to update my content. And you go, great, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build your website in WordPress. And oh, by the way, you never have to log in into anything other than this custom built desktop application that we are going to hand directly to you. You build them a native Word, or, I'm sorry, a native Mac app that is connected only to their uh, WordPress account, and that's where they just kind of log in, and you you kind of define what their uh, what their experience is with it, and all they're doing is managing their content. The fact that it's WordPress behind the scenes kind of doesn't mean anything to anybody except for it's, you guys. You, you just you just nailed it. Um, that's that's what I'm preaching. Um, we've been there a long time. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just gives us a bit more, I think, granular control on how how we. Um, morph that experience to to the need to 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 the requirements, right? Um, it's it's, a hell it's a of good, an upsell, dude. It's it's an awesome upsell. Now, <laughs> now the native desktop applications, man, I'm I'm in. Next thing you know, you'll be able to freaking um, just log in and watch cameras through a Barbie to spy on your children. 
Ew, terrible segue, but you guys hear about that whole scenario where hackers have started to now uh, hijack Wi-Fi uh, from Hello Barbie to spy on kids? Oh, Isn't that man. crazy? Hello Barbie, uh, the world's first, as it's dubbed, interactive doll. It's Basically, this is just the description of what this product is is disturbing. It's capable of listening to a child and responding via voice. It's very similar like Siri or Google Now um, or Microsoft's Katana. Uh, connects your Wi-Fi, has a built-in microphone. Your kids can talk to it, and guess what? Barbie records it. What could go wrong with that scenario? <laughs> I want to control it from WordPress. <laughs> well, with the API. <laughs> yes. There we go. Dude, it's um. You know, have we have we hit a fine line here? This is super super creepy. Like, there is no, um, you know, there's no control at, at the user level to stop this. Right now, the, I don't know how widely these are going to be distributed and the price points and all that fun stuff, but. My five-year-old, she plays with Barbies all the time. Like, I'll be working from the couch, and she'll be sitting there next to me playing Barbies for hours, like, completely entertained. I mean, I can't imagine having uh, having her spied on <laughs> by some random folks because they hacked the, 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 the Wi-Fi. It's crazy. There's, there's a website out there that uh, I, I don't know what it is, but that you can um, – basically, it finds, like, the open uh, Wi-Fis on, like, the uh, baby monitors. And people go on there and, you know, people have, like, reported, like, hearing weird voices in their kid's uh, bedroom. It's and so it scary. was Right? Exactly. I mean, yeesh. I mean, it's freaky. It, this guy, Matt, uh, oh, man, Jack Lubowski, <laughs> discovered uh, that basically when the doll's on Wi-Fi, it's very open, very open to hacking. You can get system information, account information, stored audio files. Uh, and direct access to the microphone. He said it's really only a matter of time until you could kind of route that microphone to your own server and record everything that goes through it. I think the biggest concern here is to the, the kind of naive consumer. Like, we know, hey, there's a microphone in Barbie. Barbie's listening to what you're saying. We're technical enough that that's probably not cool, right? But the average <laughs> consumer is going to be like, oh, it's like Siri for my kid. That's so cool. And then they're going to sell millions of these things. Like, at some point, people need to wake up and realize if it's on Wi-Fi... If it's if it if it connects to the internet, it can be hacked. It doesn't matter if it's Barbie or your refrigerator or whatever, yep. it can be hacked, right? So there needs to be certain precautions. There needs to be a some type of a, a level of understanding of what that means when you connect something to to the internet. I don't know. That scares me, man. I ain't uh, buying no Wi-Fi Barbies for. Say hello really. to Barbie, but this is uh, it's such a weird, weird thing. It's just it's yeah, that's, scary, man. To be honest, you, no thanks. Nope. No. Uh, yeah, it's a train wreck, uh, just like my segue was. Um, Raspberry Pi. So I've, I've uh, you know, I got one, I got one here recently, uh, and I, I yet to have uh, embarked in my journey of setting it up. You, you know guys, what you could do with it? What can I do with it? You can monitor Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> Remote Barbie recording server. Perfect. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, you guys, uh, are you guys users? Love, are you guys Raspberry Pi users? I love the Pi, man. Raspberry Pi is so cool. It's just, I mean, if you're not familiar with it, Raspberry Pi is just a very, it's like, it's, I think the idea of it is a, how can you make the smallest, cheapest computer possible? Like a functional computer that is as cheap as possible. Uh, and it, when you read some of the specs on what the Raspberry Pi is, it's like, yeah, that was my computer like 10 years ago. And it's, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the, the kind of traditional Raspberry Pi is about 35 bucks. Um, They've just released, which is almost impossible to get because it's so popular, the Raspberry Pi Zero, which is a $5 Raspberry Pi. It's literally, I don't know, maybe an eighth of a dollar bill size, and it is a functional computer. The specs, it has a 1 gigahertz ARM 11 core processor, a half a gig of memory, SDRAM. It's got a micro SD slot. It's got mini HDMI for your, your 1080 AP. Micro That's US crazy. it's got uh, a forty pin GPIO header. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very nerdy. Um, it's basically the bare bones of how you can run a computer and it's five dollars. It's so cheap they're giving them away. Um, at launch they give they gave them away in the Magpie magazine. With the you buy a magazine <laughs> you get a computer. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just nuts, man. It's so cool. It is. So fun. John, you were talking a little bit about some of the fun Raspberry Pi project projects that you're looking at. What's uh What's catching your eye out there that you can do with the Raspberry Pi? Well, one of the ones that uh, I now I'm going to just have to do it because I actually found it on Instructable, uh, Instructables.com. But a Donkey Kong Bar Top Arcade 
powered by Raspberry Pi. That's so great. The guy, the the one, we'll have to link to it in the show notes. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, first off, it's weird because the guy's initials are Jay Hawkins, though that was weird. It wasn't me who did this. <laughs> I feel like that's a sign. Like I don't right exactly. Like Jay I, Hawkins wrote the post, and you have not built this yet. <laughs> what the hell? Used to be like about what two feet, three feet tall, and <laughs> it's just like a mini. Donkey Kong arcade game. That it's is cool. so amazing. It is so badass. Like I, I feel like I have to do this now. So, you, sorry, I can't talk to you guys anymore. I got to go build a Donkey Kong. One, uh, there's a, if, if you search Raspberry Pi projects, there's so many cool projects of just interesting things you can do with your Raspberry Pi, from like building arcade machines to to controlling little mini robots to doing amazing stuff. Emulation Station is one that um, I set up on one of my pies. Emulationstation.org. It essentially allows you to build an emulation. Uh, a microcomputer with your Raspberry Pi, and you can load out different ROMs and have like an 8-bit Nintendo and Super Nintendo and 64, um, all playable. You know, you need to check the the legality of this stuff. I'm in, by no way endorsing this, but um, it, it's it, it's pretty neat. Just some of the projects, and they're really passionate, and they're, everyone's kind of getting behind it. So most, if not all, these projects are, are free, um, open source type stuff. It's 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 just really neat seeing some of the crazy stuff people are doing with Raspberry Pis these days. And for five bucks, that- it's like. Oh. Try it and why not, right? Yeah, well, might as well buy well, I'm kind of uh, uh, giggling over here. The Raspberry Pi Zero adapter kit is actually eight bucks, so the adapter <laughs> kit actually costs more than the damn computer. Yeah. You know, I think uh, one of my old business partners, he actually had he had an Arduino doing it, but I, I know you could do it on a Raspberry Pi. But he had connected it to his. He was doing um, home. Home brewing, and he had used it to kind of like be changing the temperature for him daily, like automatically for uh, for keeping the stuff at the uh, exact right temperature uh, through the process. And I'm like, that seems like a pretty good use for it. That's a great use case for cheap yeah, it's, too. Yeah, it's just neat. And at five dollars, I feel like people are going to get even more creative with. Literally, I mean, for five dollars, you can build a, a thing, a, a computer, a little service that does the stupidest thing, right? Like. Yep. Just to say, hey, look what I built for five bucks, you know. So it's going to be neat. They're they're sold out pretty much everywhere. They just came out, but uh, they'll eventually get them back in stock, and you can pick them up at stores or online over at raspberrypi.org. That's so good. Well, or you can even call Amazon. I think that they uh, deliver them now with these damn drones that they're putting out in the air. Jeez, uh, so exciting. Uh, well, the things are changing. So I, you know, going back to a post I saw here recently about the new. Um, uh, Amazon Prime Air, and and I think that are limited by I think a foot tall or something that like the boxes that they could put on. I'm still kind of confused on how this thing's loaded, right? Because it's this big old flat, kind of looks like a large, a, a pretty large drone, uh, but it's not quite clear how they're loading all this stuff. Um, and then I think that the distance that they can go is something like 15 miles from one of the nearest uh, drone facilities. Is that correct? Yeah, fifteen miles. I mean, and honestly, if you're if you're into drones, like smaller drones have hardly any fly time. You get like you know maybe five minutes, ten minute fly time. Um, larger drones obviously go much much longer. Uh, and I'm certainly no drone expert, but just a little bit of research I've done. The video is really cool. It's done by the the, the former Top Gear host uh, Jeremy Clarkson. Um, I won't play it. Dre might choke me out, but um, it's it's deep because it is actual real footage. Uh, and they make it very clear this is not staged. It literally loads the box completely automated, takes off, flies to somebody's house. They have a special landing pad where it can target it. Um, it has uh, collision avoidance uh, technology built in, basically to dodge things like if a, obviously a plane or a hot air balloon or electrical wires or whatever. And when it gets over the house, it switches from kind of looking in front of it to looking down and does the same thing kind of this avoids and, and finds that pad and figures out how to land it lands drops it off and takes off and goes back home so to me based on this video and based on the article and the information amazon's putting out the only thing stopping amazon from doing this is is the the uh, faa and kind of the regulations around <laughs> what the government's going to allow them to do it seems like that is the, the only hurdle at this point oh man this it's, is you know is it's, you know here in vegas we have um we're open for prime now which is the yeah. two-hour delivery uh, which I haven't used yet, but I did check, and they do deliver to my zip code. Uh, I'm wondering how long it is before that uh, Prime Now is actually going to be delivered by the drone. It's It's got to come. Like, I think we're going to get it first. So uh, I will go ahead and order. I'll just keep ordering stuff and just try to get it to show up by drone. That'd it's going to be like – yeah, Prime Now is amazing because it will be, what, one hour or less I think it is? 
two hours. Yeah. Two hours or less. Um, this, oh, one in two hours, yeah. I feel like once this comes out, like it's going to be widely popular. People are going to pay for it just to see the damn thing fly. And oh, they're yeah. going to order something stupid and be like, I just want to see the drone come to my house. I want um, to order like the heaviest possible things, like bowling ball, <laughs> sure. Refrigerator. I need a 50-pound kettlebell stat. <laughs> yes. I want a drone delivered by a drone. That's what I want. <laughs> That's so meta, man. We're, I mean, we're, we're literally in the future. This is the crazy shit that we expected when we were kids, right? We're starting to see it come to life. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. I mean, could we, I mean, could we get him to deliver, like, in and out by drone? Ooh, there you go. I'll take uh, a double-double by drone. Yes. Oh, that would be sweet. Well, you guys got to go to In-N-Out. Sorry, buddy. Sit over here That's on the East Coast. Burgers. That's what a burger's all about, buddy. You know, I got hey, a convenience just... store down the street. It's called In-N-Out. It's the biggest disappointment. It's like some knockoff. <laughs> like, In-N-Out convenience store. It's terrible. You're like, can I take that animal style? They're like, sir, that's a pack of Trident gum. That's not going to work. <laughs> uh, cold game. Uh, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, if you're looking for hosting, I would uh, suggest you guys go check out Pagely. If you're not familiar with Pagely, they've been around for quite a while. Uh, they've kind of pioneered the, the WordPress hosting space, being the first one to market, really just concentrating on WordPress-specific uh, ho- hosting services. Um, they're scalable uh, up to really large large websites. So if you're looking for something with uh, good response times and uh, high-quality uh, Word- WordPress hands all around, uh, go check out Pagely. They just launched two-factor authentication and an extra layer of security for all their customers. And they are doing their own DNS now, so you can automatically route uh, user requests to one of Pagely's cache uh, nodes, the ones closest to you. Rapid deploy VPSs. So if you're looking for a virtual private server now, they've got them in nine different regions, some more close to you, so you can get uh, some good old solid uh, uh, server space. If you're serious about your WordPress site, I would suggest you go check them out, Pagely at Pagely.com. Guys, I think we should walk into uh, one of our uh, one of our revolving segments here. Brad, what do you say we do a little bit of legit or quit, baby? Let's do it. Legit or quit. So if you're not familiar, this is kind of a lightning round. We're going to go through a bunch of topics, and we're going to call them out. If we think they're legit, we're going to quit, give you a quick reason why, and, and the air horn sounds, and we move on. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. Running this tray. Hey, run with it, bad bad boy. What do you say? All right, let's do it. So, first off, legit or, legit or quit, John. Was that air horn too loud? <laughs> I feel like I hurt John. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so, making sure you're awesome. over there. Making sure you're Air right. horn, quit. Got it. Go next. What's the next topic? Legit I'm or <laughs> Legit or quit. Kobe Bryant announced retirement this week. Kobe Bryant, one of the greats. Been playing for, I think, 20 years now in the NBA. Drafted straight out of high school. He's actually from the Philadelphia area, so been pretty hot on the news right now. Everyone knew he was on his way out, but now it's formal. Kobe is one of the top five greatest of all time. Legit or quit? I mean, that legit. That guy's solid. Oh, yeah. I've got a lot of people comparing him to Michael Jordan. That's great, but I would say I'd take it out a little further, and I'd say he was basically the Michael Jordan of his time. He was uh, really coming into greatness as Michael Jordan was on his way out, and in our era, the last 20 years, I don't think there's been anybody, just looking at the stats specifically, uh, that you could say has done it uh, done it better. We could talk about uh, you know percentages, uh, three-point percentages, and all that fun stuff, and him being a ball hog in the whole nine. But all I gotta say is, look at any picture and, and the weight of those rings on the on the hands of Kobe Bryant with all those championships speaks volumes to me. It, that is a one hundred percent legit for me. Uh, the Black Mamba, we will miss you, my friend. Thanks for all the years watching you on the court, buddy. Yeah, I gotta go legit too. And I'm not the biggest Kobe fan, but you gotta you gotta give props where props are due. I mean, the guy's twenty years in the NBA. He had an eighty plus point ball game, the second highest scoring single playing <laughs> game ever. Eighty plus points in one game. That's insane. Uh, he's top five. I'd probably put him at number five, but he's definitely top five for sure. Ready for that, John? Mark Zuckerberg is a dad. How old am I? What year is this? Oh, man. Mark Zuckerberg's dad pledges to give away 99% of his shares. He's going to keep 1%. He's currently worth about, you know, $45 billion or so. Legit or quit? 
I'd definitely say legit on being a dad. That's awesome. I mean, <laughs> what what is he? Like nine at this point? But uh, I think his newborn just said, wait, wait, what do you mean you're giving away 99%? So, uh, no, but seriously, like anybody who, you know, Bill Gates, uh, the guys – uh, Alan, what's his name? Alan, da da da. Uh, giving away large chunks of their money. I mean, this is—it's what they should be doing, right? I mean, you're you, you're helping out the less fortunate. Uh, he could give away ninety-nine percent and still be doing much better than everybody I know combined. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a legit move. I'm, I'm with legit on that. What I'd like to see is is that money go uh, and actually be used for meaningful things and not get caught up in the bureaucracy that is life today. So if you're going to give it away, I, I commend you for that. It's definitely more than him or his his next you know five generations of of offspring will ever need. Um, pretty neat in my book, but I, as long as it goes to meaningful stuff, legit. Yeah, I mean, you're giving it away. If you, great point, Dre. You're giving it to meaningful things, charities, people that need it. Um, absolutely legit. I mean, how can you say it's not? You're giving away 99%. And that 1% will probably be only worth like a measly half billion or a couple billion. But <laughs> uh, So I'm going to feel bad for the guy once he gives it all away. But uh, absolutely legit. I mean, this is good stuff. And I think more yep. billionaires and even millionaires need to be uh, acting like Mr. Nine-Year-Old Mark Zuckerberg. Legit, baby. <laughs> Oh, man. Western Illinois University. This is really interesting. So they actually have an algorithm that predicts the presidential race with, can you even guess the accuracy, with 100% accuracy since 1975. I have not heard of this until today. This is amazing. So every presidential election they have nailed since 1975, since before I was even alive and kicking. And can you guess who they pick for the upcoming presidential election next year? Oh, Shucky Duck. Let me tell. Let me let me guess. It's 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 the man with the toupee, the magical toupee. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I don't. I would not have guessed this if you asked me. I would have guessed somebody else. But they actually predicted Bernie Sanders will be the next president of the United States. So they're either going to stick with their hundred percent or not. So legit or quit. Oh man, this is a, this is a spicy one. Um, I'm going to probably tread lightly. I'm going to say. It's pretty awesome that they have an algorithm that has been – I mean for something that volatile to be, uh, to be 100% accurate since the, since the 70s, that's pretty awesome. So I'll call that legit. Um, and then based on who they picked, I'm going to um, abstain. So there you go. Take it away. <laughs> I, you know what? I think that uh, there's too many variables they can't account for like uh, getting hit by a bus, um, getting – Shot. I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen to this guy. Uh, they might drop that. So to me, the you know the the historical is pretty powerful, but the odds of getting that right again makes this a quit for me. Although I would really, really love to learn more about that algorithm. That's pretty slick. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I got to go with quit. Um, to be honest, it is. It's so far away. Like I just think how. What I mean, yeah, I would love to see this algorithm. It is so far away. I mean, we're talking November of next year. We're talking a year from now. Just under a year from now. Um, and you know, they're obviously, you know, obviously picking someone that's not really doing that great, but it is really far away. I just, to Dre's point, I mean, we're talking how many years, 40 years of, <laughs> of picking, um, you know, I, I have a hard time believing that is going to stand. So I'm I want to see the historical data around when they picked, how it was picked in, in previous ones. Cause if it was picked like after like the last poll was like, you know, right about the close, like this shit's out the window, man. I want to see what the what the variables They're are. They're certainly picking early this time. You so. know, I'll bet we could actually find out like what they uh, like. You know, before Obama was, uh, we could probably find out when they yeah, yeah. announced their pick. According to this article, it was in two thousand seven. Um, oh, so, but that would have huh. been election year, right? So, um, but it doesn't say exactly what month. I'm sure it's out there if we want to dig around. So. I'm going quit on that. Our new uh, favorite segment, legit quit or abstain, apparently. Comcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> tests net neutrality by letting its own streaming streaming service bypass usage caps. So Comcast has started uh, basically throttling internet, blocking internet, you know, overages. Um, if you hit a certain point of data, just like very much like cell phones do. Um, and they have their own streaming service. And if you happen to be watching their streaming service through Comcast, um, you get to bypass those caps. Is this legit or quit? 
That's terrible. This is actually another. So it's legit, quit, abstain, and this is bullshit is what this is. This is, <laughs> this is definitely a quit. I mean, uh, hey, look at how great our service is when you're using only the stuff that we sell you. You want to use something else? Oh, I'm sorry. That's all super slow. Yeah, that's uh, that's some pretty crappy service right there. And I'm so tired of dealing with this for, uh, you know, our, I know that our cable company, they slow us down um, depending on how much usage we use, and it just drives me crazy. I think this is a, it's a pretty crappy service. I, I, do I really even need to comment on it? This is, this is horseshit. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Quit. Uh, you know, there's come on, federal man. regulation behind the energy sector being able to create and then, you know, kind of limit and all that fun stuff. It's going to go by the same direction. Um, it's pretty sad to see this happening. Yeah, this is definitely, uh, I'm going bullshit. Like, I, I like that. So, I mean, they're basically setting up to do this net neutrality thing. Um, this is garbage. If you're on Comcast, you should probably switch off. I did recently. I can't work at home using the internet all day long and have caps. That doesn't work. Um, so this is absolutely crap. Yep. Oh. And finally, last but not least, do the LA Kings win the cup this year? Legit. That's oh, a no-brainer. You know, I don't even need to comment. Go I was Kings, at the, Flyers, the Kings-Flyers game the other day, and we almost won. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> you know and, what? And, uh, so, I'll tell ahead. you what. I, uh, I've been a Kings fan a while. Um, they, they've got a lot of pieces in place, which is really nice. They've got a really solid core. Um, it's so hard to say. Even you look at a team like Chicago. I mean, they've won it three times in the last five years, and the Kings have won twice out of the last five years. So you know, you're going back and forth every other. You know, the Kings or Chicago have won them. So this is technically speaking our year to win it again. But the thing that you just can't uh, get around is this is a tough game to stay healthy for 82 games and then two months of playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team that stays the healthiest, I think, is the team that's going to win. So um, I think we've got uh, one of the top three goalies in the league, and our backup goalie is no slouch. So I think that puts us in a really solid place to start. Um, I'll put our top six forwards against most any other team. So I am. I'm going to go ahead and stick with legit. You can put your money on the L.A. Kings. What he said, 100 yeah, why not? The Flyers are pretty much terrible. In fact, I'm a I'm a huge Phillies fan. Philly uh, baseball here in Philadelphia. Phillies were the last ranked team in all of baseball, and they have right now they have a higher win percentage than any other Philly team, including the Eagles, 76ers, and the Flyers. So uh, it's a pretty sad time to to be a sports fan in Philadelphia. <laughs> Ouch. Flyers aren't gonna win. Why not the Kings? Whatever. They look pretty good yes. tonight. So uh, all right, that about wraps that up. That was a great segment, a great show all together, and with one of our uh, premier Dradcast friends. Sure. I mean, you've been on the show now four times. This is um, this is unprecedented. You've uh, you've done it more than anybody else, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it, man. I love being on this show. I love hanging out and chatting with you guys. So anytime we get a chance to do that, whether we record it or not, typically it's better if we don't, because you know. <laughs> hey. um, but we have uh, a few yeah. of those non-recordings. Every once in a while. Always a great time, John. Hey, you know what? No pizza pockets this go around, but maybe the next time. John, where can folks find you online? VegasGeek.com and pretty much any service. Uh, you can just search Vegas Geek. There I am. If you're listening in now, it's Thursday morning, and we're on our way to WordCamp US. I'll be making the trek uh, throughout the day to go hang out with Brad and the rest of the folks over in Philadelphia. Make sure to find us Friday uh, to have uh, some great chats in the hallways and a bunch of beverages at the bars. Folks, for the Rad and Drad, I'm the doctor. Thanks for joining us with John Hawkins. We'll see you soon. Deuces. Thanks for listening. If you have content for the show, want to submit to be a guest host, or just want to listen to previous shows, visit DragCast.com. While you're there, make sure you click the iTunes subscribe link to catch us on iTunes. Don't forget to follow at DragCast on Twitter. Join Brad and Dre for a new guest host next time on another episode of the DragCast.